welcome back to another episode of Reasons to Live Podcast with Laguitos, or you can call me Lakes. Either way, they're both great. I told you I was going to have another podcast ready for you. That's one thing about me, like you heard it in the last podcast, and if you haven't, well, go listen, but I am dependable and faithful to my words. I am pleased to have found someone brave enough to have this conversation with me today. Believe it or not, not many are comfortable sharing the reality of what it comes with when being diagnosed with any type of cognitive disorder. I was not always in the position I am today to openly talk about it, and I still struggle. Hopefully, one day at a time, the world can start to see the importance of it to normalize these topics for the world to function. I used to wear a fanny pack where I would have to fit all of my bottles of medication to take out when it was time to take a pill. But now I have this little thing around my neck where I fit my pills inside it and it's cute. People still make fun of it and they say that it looks like like I'm holding cocaine or something, but nah, it's just another chain that I'm wearing and it looks cute. You gotta do you to make sure that you feel better and you feel okay. My podcasts are all on rtlreasonstolive.com. My Instagram is ms.laguitos, that's M-S dot L-G-U-I-T-O-S. Don't forget my SoundCloud, that's SoundCloud forward slash laguitos, where you can listen to all of my songs. If you haven't checked out my songs, I do recommend that you do before I move them to Spotify. I would like to give some space to my amazing sponsors. You know me, I rep the city phone and five mission Liddy all the way. Reasons to Live is proudly being sponsored by Sucker Free City Apparel because the city don't raise no sucker. It's for sure the premium clothing brand that you need. Stay sucker free and grab a hoodie, a t-shirt, some socks, or a beanie. Stay warm in the city. You can find them on their website, SuckerFreeCityApparel.com and on Instagram, SFCA underscore 415. Make sure to hit that follow. Sucker Free City Apparel, your new favorite hoodie. Reasons to Live is proudly sponsored by Evie Styles, a.k.a. Lee. Braider since the high feet movement has 15 years of experience with men's and women's freestyle braider. Located on 1830 San Jose Avenue, San Francisco. Check her IG at Evie Styles Braids. E-V-S-T-Y-L-E-S-B-R-A-I-D-S. Book an appointment on Booksy app, evstylesbraids.booksy.com. Direct number 415-994-6910. Affordable prices that make you look and feel good. And if you say like it to send you, you get 20% off on your first visit. Reasons to Live is excited to be partnered with Thinking is Essential, which is a mentorship and tutoring program from ages K through 12. Services are available in Contra Costa and San Joaquin County and remote for anyone who has access to Wi-Fi and a device for online tutoring. Thinking is Essential specializes in math, but they tutor in all subjects. You can reach out for more information on packages and pricing by emailing thinkingisessential at gmail.com. And of course, don't forget to hit that follow on IG at thinkingisessential. You heard it here. If you're the type of person that likes to get their hair braided, don't miss this opportunity. Say that Laguito sent you. Say that you heard it on the podcast and she will give you that discount. And she knows what she's doing. I love those braids. I love getting them done. I would get them done every single day if I was working right now and I had the money. <laughs> yes, I really would. And that Sucker Free City apparel, your new favorite hoodie, it really is. I'm about to get my girlfriend one. I just need to ask her what color she wants. It's honestly really sick really fly. You got to get yourself one. And I know a lot of you listeners have kids. Go get them educated. I know it's hard to have a job and cook and do everything. She does things remotely. I'm in tune and aligned with with the work that she does. All of my sponsors, I'm aligned with everything that they do. They're not just sponsors to me. We're a team and I appreciate them. As much as they appreciate me, I appreciate them. So shout out to all of my sponsors for sponsoring me. I really, really like to work with them. And I'm trying not to cuss, but it's so hard, but I really fuck with them. So thank you, sponsors. As I mentioned, today I have a special guest, 
Rosie Paquedano, Maxon, who I have known for over 10 years now, so we have seen the growth in each other. I would like to say I am no longer the person I used to be back then, but that's a question for the sidelines. She has helped me in many things, including my health. She's been an inspiration to keep myself on track on my weight loss and to come to find out she is pursuing a master's degree in counseling psychology to become a marriage and family therapist was mind-blowing because none of that work is easy. So we are actually going to be giving her a call because she was a little out of reach, but it's all good. With today's technology, plus my IT skills and my brain activity, you can do a podcast from anywhere. So without further ado, let's give her a call. Hi, Alyssa. Hey, Rosie. I am so excited to talk to you today. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm just so excited to talk today about bipolar and ADHD disorder awareness, and you're going to be educating us today. Rosie, you're an amazing person who has studied these topics. Words can't put together how I'm feeling about what we are going to talk about and get into today. Uh, thank you. That, that's such a beautiful introduction, and, and I'm very excited to be here today with you sharing this space. Thank you again for the invitation. I think that this is an important topic to talk about and the work that you're doing is amazing. So thank you again for creating this platform for everyone and to raise awareness on this issue. Yeah, of course. I want to thank you so much for coming to Reasons to Live. I am honored to have you over the phone. What have you been up to? Yeah, so I went back to school after four years. I am currently attending Santa Clara University, pursuing a master's in counseling psychology to become a therapist. And I'm also working full time as an academic advisor, working with the community in the Mission District. So it's been tough, a little tough balancing both, but it's been great overall. Wow, that's 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 amazing. I love how we get out of high school and then you just kind of see how people grow and they just do so much after they graduate. Let's jump into it. Let's get into this this amazing conversation and this topic. It might be one of my favorite topics so far. So tell me, what is bipolar disorder? Bipolar disorder, according to the American Psychiatric Association, it's a disorder that causes changes in the person's mood, right? So that includes energy levels, ability to function. Most often people with bipolar disorder, they experience intense emotional states. This typically lasts between days to weeks. This is also known as mood episodes. These mood episodes can also cause mood swings that include emotional highs such as mania or hypomania Mm, and lows such as depression. Mm, Yeah, tell me about it. I know all about that. Bipolar disorder is a lifelong condition. People who who have this disorder can actually manage their mood swings with medication and some counseling and also psychotherapy. I mean, yeah, I've definitely experienced those highs and hypomania. I've talked about it before. And recently I've actually... It's it's crazy how how those highs feel like I worked out recently and I was just working out and I was feeling so good and there was a moment where I was laying down and I literally just felt so high and I closed my eyes and I was just like oh my god I feel so good and it just feels like I'm literally on a drug because it just feels so good as I'm continuing to work out I just start crying out of nowhere. Those intense mood swings, hypomania, if you were to put it in a graph, you would see that line just go up and down, up and down, up and down, unstable. It's so intense. 
and you would call mine, I, I believe, bipolar one. My psychiatrist tells me all the time how dangerous it is and how careful I need to be when I have these episodes because I can lose people and it's very hard for people like myself to sustain a job, you know, to mm. to go to work, to go to school because of these episodes, to sustain relationships because you're literally from zero to a hundred real quick. Mm. Even my partners are always asking me like, Alyssa, why are you from zero to a hundred? And I, <laughs> at this point, I literally say, it's called being bipolar, unfortunately, you know, and sometimes people don't understand, but it's reality. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely difficult for people who are experiencing this cognitive disorder. And it's something that not a lot of people talk about, right? I know that it carries a lot of stigma, such as ADHD. It's also every disorder, cognitive disorder, a lot of the times carries a lot of stigma. It's very pathologized, so it's so important for people to understand the experiences of others who do have bipolar disorder or who have ADHD. So there's a lot of overlap, but there's significant differences as well. Some of the symptoms, right, that are associated with bipolar disorder one and sometimes bipolar disorder two, a lot of these symptoms do include feeling jumpy. Like you were mentioning, like at the gym, right, you are feeling all these, these highs and, and feeling a lot of energy. So that's something associated with bipolar disorder, decreased need for sleep, mm-hmm. loss of appetite, right? Yeah. Racing thoughts and risky behavior, often poor judgment. Yes. And an example of that, it would be spending excessive oh, amount of money. Oh, God, yes. Oh. I've made so many poor decisions with my money. I get this impulsive behavior with my money spending it's very dangerous it's unstoppable i just want to do it once i have done it it's already done and they're not just twenty dollar purchases thirty dollars no thousands two thousand dollar purchases that can put you in debt and even though these highs can feel good people can sometimes take that the wrong way and be like oh you're feeling high okay cool like you're feeling good no the come down feels horrible it's worse than being hungover and then especially once you find out that you just spent that money you're just like crap what did i just do yeah that sounds like a lot of pressure as a person who's experiencing this i feel like sometimes medication can only do so much you finally get it together and you do something right for yourself you're actually productive you're functioning you're functioning but then the next day you fuck up again and you're back to square one when are you actually going to get better when are you actually going to level up i guess yeah i can imagine and it's very difficult especially when you live in a society that's often measuring your worth your value with how productive you are on a daily basis right no definitely and i and don't get me wrong like i feel like when i am productive I feel like like a superhero and that's part of being manic and I've talked to therapists I tell them how much I can get done like I can get done more than a regular person I can get thousands of things done but when I have no more energy and I am having an episode I cannot get out of bed and I am just done and I can't even go to work even though that is my responsibility as a human as a quote-unquote regular human from nine to five I can't get myself out of bed my curtains will not open I don't want to see life life is non-existent for me yeah and that's the reality right that's the cool truth of having 
a mental disorder. And like we talked previously, like there's a lot of stigma, right? A lot of the times people who do have cognitive disorders are labeled as lazy. Maybe you're not qualified enough. Maybe you're not smart enough. You're inadequate, right? And a lot of the times this can definitely affect your self-esteem, your self-concept and the way that, that you look at yourself. Right. Yeah. And I've definitely been called that I've definitely been called lazy I've been called stupid I've been called inadequate you know and I am definitely definitely not any of those things I am super intellectual I have had managers that tell me why can't you make it on time why can't you be here at exactly nine o'clock every single day but then there will be times where I will get there before everyone I can definitely relate to a lot of the things that you're saying as someone who has ADHD those are also stereotypes that I face that idea that of being lazy or disorganized, that you're dumb, that you're slow, and it's because our brain it's functioning in a different way, wired in a different way. And there's scientific proof that the brain of a person with ADHD, with bipolar disorder, or any other cognitive disorder looks a lot different than the brain of a person who has a quote unquote normal. I know that we're going to talk a little bit about ADHD, and I'll definitely be sharing a little bit more about some of my experience and some of my symptoms. I actually have been diagnosed with ADHD, and I got diagnosed with ADHD at an older age. I was probably 21, maybe 18. I'm not too sure, but I was definitely older. But can you tell me a little bit more about what is ADHD? Yeah, so ADHD stands for Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. And it's actually one of the most common mental disorders affecting children. ADHD also affects many adults, just how you were sharing. And some of the symptoms of ADHD include inattention, so not being able to keep focus, hyperactivity, which is accessing movement that it's not fitting to that particular setting, and being impulsive. There's actually three types of ADHD. There's the inattentive type, there's hyperactive type, and the combined type. And a diagnosis is based on the symptoms that occur over the past six months. So that's how people pretty much get diagnosed. I can also relate to that. I was diagnosed with ADHD two years ago. So it was actually during the pandemic that I was diagnosed. I lived most of my life thinking that I was weird, that I was different, because this is something that you develop or, or the characteristics, <laughs> the traits that you exhibit, you exhibit this at a young age. You, you cannot get ADHD as an adult. You have to get this at a young age. And in most cases, a lot of children, they go several years without being diagnosed, thinking that they're just daydreamers. They're just very hyper. So it's very important for parents to make sure they're paying attention to their children and to provide. I don't know where I'm going with this, but it is very important for parents to pay attention because it is the parents' responsibility to go get those tests done. You know how you have to get certain shots for your kids when they're younger. Getting an ADHD test isn't part of that curriculum, right? Or that get an ADHD test done for your kid. No, it's something that you have to do in addition to see if your kid has it. ADHD is seen as something bad, but the way that I see it, something called neurodivergence, reason why people with ADHD can't focus is because we're so quick to be done 
focusing on one thing that we're already on to the next thing but to the normal people we're so active and we're like not paying attention and we get bored and we're just out of our seat and we're talking so much we just have so much in our brain going on am i making sense yeah i mean we're just superhumans <laughs> no pretty much well i would always get in trouble in class because i was always talking my mind is always racing like i'm always saying something right but at the same time i would always be failing my classes it wasn't up to my speed the education system is set up in a way where it's only for quote-unquote normal people i know that you said that there's three types of adhd there's this new book that just came out because of the seizures that i'm getting i've been a lot into neuroscience the book is called you Happier, The Seven Neuroscience Secrets of Feeling Good Based on Your Brain Type by Daniel G. Amen. And he's a psychiatrist. He's a doctor of medicine. And it says that there's actually seven types of anxiety and depression, seven types of ADHD, six types of addicts, and five types of overeaters. And this is like new information. There's new things that people are, are figuring out. And we don't know about this. Just because you have ADHD doesn't mean that right. you're, you're the same as that other person. You, Rosie, have ADHD and I have ADHD. Doesn't mean that we're the same type of ADHD person. We're different. Right, yeah. You know? Yeah, there's a lot of modalities for sure. And to touch on that, that's... I'm going to make a note to myself to buy that book. It sounds like a really interesting, great book. That idea, right, that in culture, especially traditional cultures, traditional households, it's seen as taboo. I come from a Latino, uh, Nicaraguan American household. So my parents are very, they're very traditional. And to talk about mental illness or these type of disorders, mental disorders, such as ADHD, bipolar, these are conversations that never happened in my household growing up. Because like you said, it's seen as if you're crazy, like, oh no, it's just para los locos, like therapy or medication. And it's really great that now there's more awareness on this type of cognitive disorders that it's being normalized. Mm -hmm. Because just how you're sharing your experience when I was in high school, these things they were not as normalized. Mm -hmm. Even in school settings, with teachers who have bachelor's and master's degrees, I never really had any classes related to mental health awareness yeah you know so it's that idea of feeling like you're an outcast like you're different like there's something wrong with you yeah but in reality there's a lot wrong with society mm -hmm. because these things are thrown under the rug yeah and there's awareness at all although scientists have not identified a specific cause of these disorders many of them it's inherent, which means that a family member may have this, but maybe they're not diagnosed because of the same pathology, right? The same stigma that these mental illnesses, cognitive disorders have. And because there's lack of awareness, then we grow up thinking that we're the only ones in the family, right? Mm -hmm. Even though in many cases, this is not true. It's great to have these type of conversations. So I really appreciate you for for being open, for being open and raw about this topic. And I think that when people do talk about their own experiences, it definitely humanizes them. Despite your title, your achievement, and so on and yeah. so forth, at the end of the day, we're all humans. And I do think that we need to increase the amount of compassion and the amount of therapy 
that there is in society, mm-hmm. right? And having a community, a support system that you can rely on, I think that's always key to being successful in terms of conquering your diagnosis, conquering yourself, conquering your diagnosis. Yeah. Because you are not ADHD. You're not just a bipolar, someone who has bipolar disorder. Exactly. You're more than that. You're a talented person. You have many aspirations, many dreams, many goals. And I know that a lot of the times people may not be so fond of the idea of being diagnosed because that stigma comes with the diagnosis. A lot of the times it can be very helpful to be diagnosed. Once a person is diagnosed, then they understand the root cause of their actions and Mm -hmm. the way that they function, right? Mm -hmm. And they can also create a sense of belonging, a sense of community if mm-hmm. they find other individuals who are experiencing the same thing as they are. Mm-hmm. And it also gives you access to medication, which exactly. I know that in some cases it's not the main alternative, but in some, in many cases it can be very helpful for people and it can help them feel quote unquote right, normal or at least more productive and functional. What are the causes of ADHD? I think you mentioned some. According to two scientists, there's not one specific cause that's been identified as the main reason of of ADHD. I know that some foods may be associated with ADHD. I cannot recall those specific foods, but I know that it's something that may happen in the beginning of the pregnancy of, of the mother. Some of the things that can be associated with ADHD is having your, your mother being a, a smoker, your mother using alcohol during no their pregnancy, having extreme stress during pregnancy, and, and things like that. Stress, anxiety, all of the, these things can contribute to your, your child developing ADHD. And of course, the main thing that, according to scientists, is that if it it's, it's inherited, right? So if it runs in the family, if a parent has ADHD, but maybe they have been undiagnosed for many years, then their child is most likely to have ADHD, but they won't know because they themselves are not diagnosed. So it's kind of like that, that pattern, right? If the mother was a smoker, so like as in like prior to the pregnancy or during the pregnancy? During the pregnancy. Oh, okay. Marijuana or tobacco or both? In the study, it said tobacco. Okay. Just, okay. That's good. To, that's good to know. What's your take on, on children taking medication for ADHD? I know that being such a young age, you know, taking medication can be, I mean, I don't know, I don't think I would be so comfortable having my child taking medication at such a young age. I'm curious, what do you think about that? I think that it just depends on their their level of hyperactivity mm-hmm. and attention span, right? Because like you mentioned, only because two individuals may have ADHD or bipolar disorder, it doesn't mean that their experiences are the same. So I would say, my, my first approach, I mean, I believe in taking a holistic approach. I would look into into a more holistic approach, maybe mm-hmm. techniques, strategies right. that don't require medication first. If I were to, to treat a child or, you know, if, if I were to have kids, and if those things are still not working out for my child, if they're still suffering in school, or it's very difficult for them to just complete daily tasks, then... I would look into medication, but 
in my in my perspective, that would be more like the last resort, depending on their age and maturity level. I mean, another thing that I read in this book that I mentioned earlier, the You Happier, it mentions that brain injuries are a major contributing factor to depression, anxiety, ADHD addictions, homelessness, and suicide, which makes sense. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I've been injured in the head so many times, you know, I've gotten so many, so many hits in the head, so it only makes sense. <laughs> you are the person who knows yourself the best, so doing your own research, um, like you said, that book sounds amazing. Uh, I think after this, I, I'm going to get myself on Amazon and yeah, purchase that book. definitely. I love, I love having different alternatives, right, mm-hmm. and, and doing things that are feasible to me, yeah. such as buying books, self-help books, where I get to educate myself, yeah. right? And treat my own disorder the way that I want to treat it or, or manage it the way that I want to manage it because it makes me feel empowered. And that's that's ultimately the message that I want to, to give to people, you know, that idea of feeling empowered because at the end of the day, it is your life. Yeah. And it is your own experience. Okay. So understanding that although there's a lot of stigma, there's a lot of pathology in having a cognitive disorder, that you are adequate, you are capable, and you are more than deserving to be in those rooms that you worked super hard to, to be part of. Thank you. That, that Just you saying that means so much. And I mean... <laughs> I know we talked about it a little bit and we mentioned it, but do you think it is more difficult for individuals from cultural households to navigate their cognitive disorders? Yes, for sure. I do think that it's very difficult to navigate a mental disorder or be as open about your disorder, your symptoms. When you come from a traditional household, as a Latina who comes from a traditional Nicaraguan Christian household, it was very difficult to have these conversations, especially with my dad. He comes from a very traditional household himself, very Christian, you know, very Christian household. And a lot of the time, the conversations or his viewpoint had to do with religion, with God, right? Like praying. Things will get better if, if we just pray. My mm-hmm. whatever I was feeling in, in my brain would get better, right? If mm-hmm. I only pray, mm-hmm. and, and I understand that a lot of the times it can be difficult for parents to understand, especially when they, maybe they don't ha- they didn't have access to education or to right. the books that we have access now. Um, but it was definitely difficult for sure, and I think that that's the beauty of technology now, right? That we have access to all these right. tools all these platforms where we can educate ourselves and we can we can do better than our parents right Mm -hmm. i think that at this point in time we're able to know or at least the hope is that we're going to be able to navigate these conversations differently once we are encountered with them right with our future families so on and so forth um but it was definitely difficult yeah and i think that the hope right the message that we wanted to give to our audience, our listeners, is to have an open mind, right? And to understand that everyone has their own journey, their own mental health journey. And that although many of us were raised in a traditional household, that's not an excuse, right, to to continue to be close-minded or in denial that these this is reality. Mental health is real. And a lot of the times, unfortunately, people people take their lives. Right, because 
mental illness is not acceptable in society and it's very stigmatized so how do we create a safe space to talk about these things and and be there for for others yeah i also come from a christian background it's really traumatizing when your family your background doesn't accept mental health my family has struggled with it a lot. They say they they do, you know, understand it, but in reality, I feel like they don't. Don't get me wrong. I totally believe in God. I definitely go to Him whenever I lose all hope, and I pray to Him to help me with all of my struggles. But at the same time, I do believe that we need all these extra tools for us to have a clear mind to even pray, to even be able to meditate, and to do these things. I strongly believe that everything I have is hereditary, and I think it's because of my dad from my mom too but mainly from my dad like I I love him and I I do but I unfortunately for my mental health I need my distance and until he decides to do something about his mental health I cannot have a connection with him I've tried but I just cannot and it, it is not my responsibility to fix him but he is determined that mental health is not a thing and that Jesus is his answer but it looks like to me it's not fixing him I mean, generational trauma is real. So that sounds like what you're, you're talking about is generational trauma, right? Mm-hmm. How do we heal that? And I think that the first step of healing that, it's, it's healing ourselves and understanding we have the agency to help ourselves. Regardless of our bringing. we have the power to heal ourselves. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, we may not heal our parents or ancestors, but we are healing ourselves. And the hope is that by them seeing us heal, and and change and develop ourselves they feel a little of inspiration to do the same right how do we raise awareness i think that you're doing it right now right (laughs) i think that we're doing it right now having these conversations these difficult conversations that not a lot of people want to be part of these conversations or i would say maybe feel comfortable enough to talk about these things because they they are rooted in a lot of trauma Mm -hmm. you know these conversations And so it's understandable that a lot of people don't want to talk about this, but that would be the first step, realizing that it is an issue. People don't talk about it. So how do you remove yourself from that idea? You can start raising awareness. Yeah, and and you made me think of something really real right now that, like, you know, I think that when I experience my hypomania, my bipolar, my ADHD, all those things, it's like really what I'm feeling, it's all of this trauma in increments they're just all feelings emotions you know and it's like that's why i'm bipolar i'm not just acting in for no reason like they're feelings they're emotions and i have a lot of them i may not know exactly at the moment that i'm acting it out when i'm working out and i'm just crying out of nowhere i'm feeling something an intense feeling and that's where the bipolarness comes out and it's because of trauma unfortunately i have a lot of it I feel that a lot of people who do have a cognitive disorder, such as ADHD, bipolar, we're so used to justifying our emotions. We're so used to that idea of hoping that people don't think that we're lying Mm -hmm. or hoping that people believe us. It's not as easy as it sounds or it's not as easy as people make it seem. Like, oh, just fix yourself. Oh, just wake up. Just apply to that job. Mm-hmm. Right, so I, I sense that in your tone, that idea of justifying, mm-hmm. and it's exhausting, right? It's, yeah. it's exhausting yeah. <laughs> to continuously justify your disorder, your mental illness. And I know that those words are not as appealing, right? I mean, yeah. but it, it, that's 
I mean, that's that's it's a mental illness. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that people with with cognitive disorders, they're they're so good. They become masters at masking, mm-hmm. right? Social settings, masking that everything yeah. is okay, or dissociating yeah. because it's so difficult to take all that yeah. rejection or in judgment. So normalizing these conversations, I think, mm-hmm. you know, I'm just really happy to be here. And I'm super honored that you invited me to have this conversation. I have tried to mask all of this trauma, be better and hypnotize myself to be positive. Another thing that I have started is a mental behavioral program and that is about eight to ten weeks long. My perspective on it, quite honestly, was not as positive. I'll be honest with you, I think I thought of myself too good for it because I felt like first what I'm doing, what I'm going to do is EMDR therapy. But before that, you have to do group therapy. I wasn't too fond of it because there's a lot of negativity in that talk. I think I thought of myself too up there. I was like, no, I'm, I've already... I've already gone through this process. I don't need to hear this negativity. But now that I'm talking to you, this stuff is real. People need to talk about this. I'm not over my trauma, and I need to stop acting like I am. And I need to actually speak up and talk about my... Because I haven't talked about my trauma. I'm over here telling them, try this, try that, be positive, because I'm over here trying to act and mask like if I'm okay. But in reality, I'm not okay. And I'm just... I'm just pretending like, damn, I'm about to cry. <laughs> and it's just like, it's hey, and it's okay to not be okay. Damn. That, and so right? you're just making me realize that, that it's just like, you know, I'm, I'm over there going to this program, acting like I, like I got it. But in reality, it's like, no, I don't, you know. And sorry, damn, Rosie made me cry. <laughs> you're, you're the first to make me cry on my podcast. <laughs> No, but I think that it's that idea. I mean, everything that we're talking about and just you crying and being vulnerable, that's that's a perfect example of what we want, right? Of what we're talking about, sharing your truth, you know, being comfortable with, with your truth. Because if, if we don't accept our truth and, and our diagnosis, then how are others going to accept that, right? Or how are others going to show empathy and compassion for ourselves if we cannot show empathy and compassion for ourselves. So I think that that's really powerful. And, you know, that's the reason why I am pursuing a career in therapy because of all the stigma around this. How do we raise awareness on this issue, especially in Latino culture? That's why I'm majoring in counseling psychology with an emphasis in in Latino counseling to help my community, to talk about these things. Also to see other Latino therapists to see representation because sometimes it can be difficult if you, you have a therapist and maybe they don't understand your upbringing, they're not as culturally competent and they don't really practice like cultural humility, right? Yeah. This is great. Yeah, no, and you're good because you just got the truth out of me. And to be honest, all those people in group therapy, they're more brave than I am because they're actually sharing their truth and their trauma and I haven't, so... There you have it. <laughs> well, you're, you're brave right now. You're being brave. And I think that the fact that you created a whole podcast to talk about this, I mean, that speaks volumes, right? A lot of people don't really put themselves out there the way that you've done it. So I really admire that. Thank you. Thank you. 
Anyways, um, thank you. Okay, I'm done wiping my tears. Is there anything you do or any practices that you recommend? This whole experience has been amazing, and I feel like I already have been talking to a therapist, so I want to thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you for having me again. And some practices that have helped me is to create a sustainable routine for me. A lot of the time with having ADHD can be very difficult to create a routine or to be consistent. I find myself starting something and not ending it and then doing a whole bunch of things at once. Creating a routine has been very helpful because it sets the tone for my day, for my week, especially now that I'm in school, journaling, journaling all my thoughts. It's really hard for me sometimes to remember things. Journaling has helped me also reflect, better understand my emotions. Why am I feeling the way that I feel? I highly recommend therapy. If you have access to therapy, we're all different. We all experience lives differently but these are some things that have helped me and i think reading books about different topics of your interest it's very helpful as well you're also expanding your knowledge you're educating yourself lastly i do have a quote here so that i like to read quote reads be you the world will adjust but i love it because i think that it's so empowering right a lot of the times we are wanting to change ourselves so we can fit in to mask ourselves so people can like us to not be authentic i spent so many years doing that and like i mentioned it was exhausting practicing sharing my truth has been the best thing that i've i've done in my life and of course it didn't come easy it took a lot of a lot of years of, of trying to understand myself right doing the self-education piece, um, making sure that I had a, a, a support system to rely on. That's also key. Having people who understand what you're going through. I follow pages on Instagram that talk about ADHD, that talk about bipolar disorder, and it's been very helpful to know that there's so many people out there just like you. You might not know them. They might live in different countries, but through social media, through technology, you can meet a lot of amazing individuals and, and understand that you're not alone and there you have it folks episode 12 of reasons to live podcast rtl brought to you by yours truly laguitos you are not stuck with the brain you have feed your mind your body for the outcomes you desire you are not your diagnosis and most importantly let's continue to have these uncomfortable conversations and break the stigma around cognitive disorders because someone next to you might actually need it you can always reach out to Reasons to Live if you want to bring up a topic on my website. If you listen to your podcast on Apple, don't forget to rate me five stars. It helps listeners like you find my podcast. Catch me on my Instagram, miss.laguitos, or on my website at rtlreasonstolive.com. I hope you enjoyed it. Until next time, thank you very much for listening.